Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we thank you for this day, Lord. Father, we thank you for the new year, and Father, we just ask that you offer us many blessings this year to accomplish your will and purpose in the world. And Father, as we move forward with the service today, we just ask that you continue to teach us, that you continue to guide us, and you continue to strengthen us, Lord, and open our hearts and our minds to your word today, that we grow closer to you. And Father, we ask all of these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Happy New Year. It's a great time to celebrate the good Lord and just uh, be thankful for all that he's done for us. And even with the tough year in 2020 that we had, it's really nice to know that we can lean on our Father in heaven to continue to strengthen us, to continue to comfort us, and to continue to teach us and to guide us as we accomplish his will and purpose in the world. And today is the first Sunday of 2021, and I pray... God blesses the church with great power and influence over the culture of the world this year. I pray that rather than being assimilated into the world, that the church today becomes change agents in the world, that we become change agents out there as we serve God and do His work. And I pray the church impacts the world mightily and that many hearts are drawn into the saving relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I remember that before I became a Christian and I was listening to my mom and dad discuss with other family members and some visitors that would come over to our house from time to time about God. And I remember that I was always intrigued about their conversations. I was always intrigued in what they were saying and I was hanging on every word that they were saying. And I know that that's because of the power of God and the power of His Holy Spirit working. I didn't know much about Him. But I was very keenly aware, I'm sorry, I didn't know much about him, but I was, by that time, keenly aware that I did not always follow the rules of God. I did not always follow the rules of my parents. I was already aware of, at that time, that I was a sinner, that I did things wrong, and that I was disobedient from time to time with my parents and with God. And I remember without fail, the subject of the unforgivable sin would be brought up consistently when they discussed theological matters. I never really understood exactly why that subject came up, but when my mom and dad were talking to somebody, the unforgivable sin always came up. And I remember being disturbed that there could be something so bad in me that God would not forgive me. And I'm like, what could that possibly be? What was the unforgivable sin, and how could I possibly avoid it? How can those whom I love avoid it? It was many years before I could could reconcile this matter in my heart. It took a lot of years for me to finally understand what the unforgivable sin was and for me to be able to reconcile that in my heart, even after I became a Christian. I learned that this unforgivable sin is not a one-time deed or action. Rather, it is an ongoing and continuous rejection of God that brings about this type of sin to where it is unforgivable and we are eternally separated from God. 
My mom and dad, their friends, and other members of my family were doing something without even realizing it at the time. They were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. They didn't even know they were sharing the gospel, but they were. They were sharing God's love with me. They were sharing God's precepts with me just by having a discussion around the table, and they didn't even know that I was participating. They didn't even know it. They were oblivious to the fact that my heart was being equipped and prepared by God through those conversations while they were still seekers themselves. They weren't even believers yet. They were still seekers themselves. And God was teaching me through their conversation. And I say this to let you know that it doesn't matter where you are in your relationship with God. It doesn't matter. You are still able to participate with Him in kingdom work. You're able to participate in the work of God regardless of your position with Christ. Every time you speak, you or I speak the word of truth, we participate in what he is doing on this earth. And too often we think that we cannot reach others with the gospel because we do not speak well or because we cannot articulate something well. But I have to tell you that no matter who you are, no matter where you are in life, that there are those people that God has put in your circle of influence and they will learn from you. They will grow from you. God will work in their hearts through the things that you speak. Whether you articulate it well or not, you have to realize the Spirit of God is always at work in you. And He's the one who changes heart. Hearts. He just uses you as a vessel to communicate who He is. But we all can share and should share what God has done for us whenever we get the chance. To share our story of salvation is something that each one of us can do. Every one of us can share our story of faith. And we should do that whenever we get the chance to. And believe it or not, when you're sharing your story of how you became a believer and what God has done for you and how He shaped your life, people do listen. They do hear. It may be someone beside you, or it could be someone two tables down from you. You never know who's listening. Just like my mom and dad and my, their friends were having their conversation about God. They didn't know I was listening. They weren't communicating with me, trying to save my soul. They were sitting there trying to figure things out themselves. And God was working in me. We should never convince ourselves that we are of no value to the kingdom of God because it's absolutely not true. Every believer has value to the kingdom of God. Every believer has something to offer an unbeliever. You already have so much more knowledge than an unbeliever, so always share your faith. God is the one who shaped you into the person that you are today. He has accomplished much in you. That is valuable, and it is worth sharing with the world. So please, when you're out in the world, share your faith with the world. Being a Christian is far more than a simple transaction. We do not serve a transactional God. God never intended us to come to Him to get saved, and that's it, and then we just go on living life and don't pay any attention to Him anymore. God doesn't want us to not pay attention to Him. He always wants us to pay attention to Him. See, He's much more than a transactional God. He is a relational God. And it is far more 
than saying the sinner's prayer and going about your merry way. We do not serve a transactional God. We serve a living God who wants a relationship with us, and he is interested in far more than a simple transaction. If that's all that he wanted from us once we became a believer, he would just take us home with him right then and there. But he has work for us to do. He wants us to participate in his good work in this world. He does not just want a small leftover piece of you. If that's all you're willing to give to God, you have to question whether you truly have a relationship with him. See, God changes us day by day. Our salvation is transforming us day by day. We continually become more like Him. He continually saves us every day. We have been saved. We are being saved right now, and we will be saved. That is how God works in our life. It's not a one-time transaction. A genuine Christian should have a strong desire to serve God, to participate in what he is doing on this earth. You want to be salt and light in the world. You want to participate with what God has planned for you in your life, the plan that he has laid out. You want to participate and act out that plan and to work it out with God. And I know I was in darkness, and when I was in darkness... God was speaking to me through people that didn't even know me, through people that didn't even realize they were changing me. Your salvation is not all about you. God has a mission for you. And God had a mission for the people who were sharing their faith with my mom and dad. He had a mission for them, just like he has a mission for you. Let us take a moment and look at Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. And as you're going there, I just want to let you know, God plans on changing each one of us. He wants to change each one of us. He gives us choice and will. But those of us who are saved, He has a job for us. And I think you cannot deny it when you look at Matthew 28, 19, and 20. These verses were not specifically and only for the disciples. They were for every believer. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, if you are a genuine believer, a genuine Christian, you should be equipped to share the gospel and be faithful, a faithful servant to the one true God, the only God, our Master and King, our hope and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. How do we become equipped and prepared to be effective servants of God? Well, today I'd like to share with you four ways you can be more equipped and prepared to be effective servants of God. The first way is to just tell your story, to tell what God has done for you. On your path to become more equipped, tell your unique story of how you came to know God. And take as much time as you need to. Give as much detail as somebody's willing to hear but always be ready to tell your story. Tell how he has delivered you from trouble, the things that you've experienced, what you've overcome because of God and because of him working in you.
Tell of how he has changed your heart and the significant ways that he's changed your heart. How you once were involved in this and now you're no longer involved in it and you are involved with the work of God. How he has given you peace. Because we know that the peace of God surpasses all understanding. Even in our deepest turmoil and trouble, we have peace. He gives us joy even through our trials and tribulations. Tell about that. Tell how he has freed you from bondage. How he has brought you about repentance in your life. Share these things to anyone who will listen to you with the joy of the Lord. Be excited about it. Share your love for God with anyone who will hear you. And the second way you can be more equipped is through prayer. Every believer wants to pray. That's our connection with God. And prayer is not always just bowing your head like this and saying a prayer before God and, you know, being all solemn on our knees. I mean, those are good when you can do that. But you see, prayer could be you driving down the road on the way to work and saying, Lord, bring somebody into my path today. Or, Father, I've had this struggle today. Can you help me overcome it? You can talk to God while you're driving. You could talk to God while you're working. You could talk to God while you're taking a walk. You can pray to God anywhere. He's listening all the time. But we still want to take time in our prayer room to have that personal time with the Lord, just you and Him. I'm going to talk about a few different prayers today. And the thing that's amazing is the scripture is full of prayer. So if you can't come up with something to say yourself, you can even use some scripture to pray to the Lord. And I'm going to share some of those with you today and give you some examples. And I'm going to start with the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, and it starts in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. And Jesus really is instructing us how to pray here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. See, Lord, these things I am asking you to help me with. I really am struggling with this in my life, Lord. I really need to get involved with this thing, Lord. But Lord, even though these are the things that are in my will, not my will, but your will be done. See, God wants us to pray, and he wants us to ask for things, but he wants us to ask them according to his will and purpose. And then he goes on, on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. See, we always want to ask God for our daily bread, to provide for us, to sustain us, to take care of us. And he will feed us. When we thank him for the daily physical food he gives us, we are literally thanking the good Lord for providing for us. But we have to remember our daily bread is more than just our physical food. It's also the spiritual food. As we're getting into the scriptures and we're studying and we're learning about him and we're trying to understand what he's trying to teach us, when we pray to him, Lord, give me the spiritual food that I need to live today, he will do that. It is good and we should ask God to provide for our daily needs. And verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. See, we're not asking God just to forgive us of our sins, but God, forgive me my sins the same way I forgive my brother his sins. In other words, if I don't forgive my brother, God isn't going to forgive me. See, God wants us to acknowledge that we need to be forgiving just as Jesus was forgiving to us. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. When we cannot find the words to pray, we can pray the words of Scripture. He can and will interpret what we are asking of him. And he knows our hearts. The Spirit of God will interpret our prayers, even when we don't have the words to say and we're just there in the presence of the Lord, not knowing how to articulate what we are saying. The Spirit takes it to the Father for us. Take a look at Psalm chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, another great prayer that we can pray to the Lord. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Another one, Psalm 5, verses 1 through 8. Psalm 5, verses 1 through 8. I will let you take time to read that on your time. Psalm 5, verses 1 through 8. You see, when our prayers are in alignment with the will and purpose of God, He will grant our requests and will accomplish much in our lives. He will accomplish more in your life than you can imagine. When our prayers and our will is in alignment with His will. See, so we always want to do everything we can to draw close to God. As we draw closer to Him, His will and purpose for us become more and more clear. The closer we become to God, the more our prayers will align with His will, and we will see more and more of them being answered to our liking because we're in alignment with God. And the third way you can become more equipped is through meditation. And brothers and sisters, I'm not talking about this new age meditation that you hear of where you empty your mind. There's no way a human being ever has the possibility to completely empty your mind. There's no way. It's not what God intended when he said to go and meditate. It is important for Christians to meditate. And God will bring us understanding as we take the time to meditate. However... We must understand biblical meditation before we can effectively meditate before the Lord. We have to understand biblical meditation. See, as you're reading through the scriptures and you're trying to understand things and you're pondering it before the Lord, you're pondering what you just read before the Lord, giving consideration to the words that He is sharing with you. When you're giving consideration to this and you're pondering it in your heart, there is biblical meditation. You're not emptying your mind. You're filling your mind with God and His Word and trying to understand what He is teaching you. And unfortunately, uh, I'm sorry, not unfortunately, but meditation is often treated as a synonym for relaxation and is associated with emptying the mind. So that is unfortunate that people think that it's something that you need to do to empty your mind. On the contrary, in the Scripture... Meditation refers to deep, careful, and prayerful thought. Meditation may be described as thinking long and continuously about one subject. Thinking long and continuously about one subject. Giving consideration to it. Systematic reading will naturally lead to meditation upon particular verses as portions of the text either stand out for further thought, or to raise questions. See, we should always ask questions as we're reading scriptures. What are you trying to teach me here, Lord? 
Where are you going with this, Lord? What do you want me to learn from this, God? How can I apply this to my life today, Lord? Meditation is one of the best ways to keep the words of Scripture in our minds and apply them to our hearts and our lives. Psalm 19.14 says this, Psalm 19.14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, and my Redeemer, my strength and my Redeemer. Psalm 77.6 says this, Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation, preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Psalm 77.12, I will also meditate on all of your work and talk of your deeds. Psalm 119.15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Meditation keeps our heart and our minds continuously upon the Lord. The more we meditate, the more natural it will become before us. Do you realize that? The more you meditate, the more natural it will become. You will be in relationship with God. You will be communicating with God. He will be working things out in your heart. And we will find ourselves meditating even in times that we haven't purposely set aside. I remember one time I was watching a crime show on television. And they were showing a DNA sequence that helped solve a murder. And I'm thinking to myself while I'm watching this, I'm like, wow, Lord, you have made us in a fearful and marvelous way. We are created with the hands of God, and he can help us solve crime through DNA. And he has made our minds understand that. Just to consider that and the weight of that is amazing. Meditation will become a routine part of your life as you practice it on a daily basis. So here's a challenge. When we have a Bible study or a Sunday school class, we have study material and a section of the Bible to read, don't we? And as you study the material, take time upon, your, upon completion of your study and meditate on what you have learned. When you leave the Bible study class or you go home from Sunday school and you go home for the day and you sit down, meditate on what God taught you. Meditate on that. Try to get a deeper understanding. And your discoveries through godly meditation will give you more depth and understanding of the biblical material. And if you accept this challenge, your understanding of God will grow exponentially and your intimacy with Him will also increase. And the fourth way that you can be more equipped and more prepared to effectively serve God is through the study of scriptures. The study of scriptures is very important to every believer's life. I know that when I have struggles in my life, which recently I've had quite a few of them, it's the scriptures and it's God that I depend on and that I lean on. I don't know what I would do without him. I do not know what I would do if I didn't get into the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 teaches us, to do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. So we want to do our best 
to present ourselves to God as one approved. And one of the ways that we do that is to get into the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit teach us and to guide us and to strengthen us and to give us knowledge about God and to have communion with God. Right living only happens when we are keeping our eyes on the Lord. We cannot be effective ambassadors for Christ if we are living like the devil, can we? If we continue to just live life and do whatever we want to and to be philanderers or someone who drinks all the time to get drunk, doing drugs, how can you have right living with God when you're living like the devil? If we are giving consideration to ourselves first and placing others at a very distant second, how can, we be, how can we be effective witnesses for Christ? We should always look at others as more important than ourselves. And this is a challenge that every one of us must fight in our lives and to work out in our lives. But the more we do it, the more natural it becomes to where we consider others better than ourselves. If we see someone in need and we wish them well and send them on their way, what good is that? Is that right living? Is it? Is it right living if we know somebody is in need and we do nothing to help them except say, hey, have a nice day, be on your way? On the other hand, if we see someone and cannot, who cannot get to work because they have a flat tire and we take action by either repairing their tire or to help them fix it ourselves, or to provide them a way to work so they can take care of their car later, there we're considering them more than us. And it is not our place to determine if they are worthy of our help. None of us are worthy of God's help, but he gives it to us anyway. And that's the way we have to look at when we see someone in need. Not to just say, well, you know what, if they did this, they would be better off, or if they did that, they could be able to accomplish these things. No. If we see somebody in need, God calls us to help them. That's how we reach the world. That's one of the ways the Spirit can connect with somebody, is through us helping when someone is in need. And we can always find reasons not to give or not to help. And I challenge you to stop this way of thinking. Rather, if I help, I could have an opportunity to share God's love. That's what we should think of. When we're helping someone, it gives us an opportunity to share the love of God with them. One thing is for sure. If you help, you demonstrate His love. Remember, God helped you when you did not deserve it. He was there for you. When you least deserved it, He was there for you. The kind of love that God has placed into the Christian heart is the kind of love that is demonstrated through actions and not words. It's demonstrated by our actions, not by our words. Anyone can speak words. The true love of God is demonstrated through our actions. Let us take a moment and look at James chapter 2, starting in verse 18. James chapter 2, verse 18. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith with your works, without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith 
without works is dead. See, we are called into a relationship with God. Our salvation is not based on our works, but faith, the faith that God gives us to go out and accomplish His will and purpose and the work that we do is based on our faith and is faith-based. And the thing is, is without stepping out in faith and demonstrating our faith by works, there is no faith. That faith is dead without works. You see, our faith is demonstrated by what we do. We cannot sit on the sidelines and be producing effective ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We must meet the needs of those who are hurting, those who are hungry, suffering, disgraced, poor, widowed, and the truly unloved. It is by our actions that God's love is seen and responded to. See, when we step out and do and participate and get involved in the work of God, feeding the hungry, providing for the poor, helping the widow, helping someone who just lost a loved one, that is the time that someone sees the love of God and the work of God, and they will respond to that. Memorization is another part of this, and I know that this is a sore point for many people. And I have been told so many times that I can't memorize anything. I'm not good at that at all. In reality, we all have an innate ability to memorize. We have an innate ability to store massive amounts of information that we can later recall from our minds. For an example, can you tell me what 3 times 3 is? What is your date of birth? Can you give me the directions to church? How do you drive a car? What street do you live on? See, these are all things that you memorize and you learned, and they're stored in your mind for later recall. In just the same way you learn those things, you can still learn and memorize Scripture. I don't care if you're 10 years old or 90 years old. You can memorize. And what is the value of memorizing the Scriptures? Well, number one, it can help you overcome sin. For example, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. But also with the temptation, make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. See, these are scriptures that you can call to memory when you're struggling with sin, when you're struggling with doubt, when you're struggling with things in your heart. God will bring these and call these scriptures to your mind to bring peace to you. It also, memorization and memorizing scriptures will also help you share your faith and prepare and, and make you more prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have in you and to do it with gentleness and respect. God brings that stored information to mind. And it will also help you in your prayer life. Imagine if you, and a lot of us may already have, the Lord's Prayer memorized. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, as we learn this and put it in our mind, we can recall it and we can pray these things to the Lord. And we can pray them and put it with our language in a way that we can communicate with God. And it also helps you in your Bible study. 
and it helps you in your witness when you can call upon a scripture in your mind. And you don't have to say, well, this is what 1 Corinthians says. You can literally just put it out there and say it in your own words and not even give the scripture reference. When God's word is being spoke, the Spirit of God is working. The Spirit of God is working in that other person. So there are many reasons, there are many other reasons that I could share with you that you should endeavor to memorize scriptures. And the challenge that I share with you now, even for those who say they cannot memorize, is to open your Bible to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and then take a 3 by 5 card and write that scripture verse out. And you've heard me share this scripture with you before. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. See, and you don't even have to have the words exact, but you have the message right there. There is the message of the cross, the salvation message in those three verses. Memorize those, share those, and you will find you will have opportunities to call those to memory and use those in your work with other people as you're sharing your faith. So I also challenge you to memorize uh, 1 Peter 3.15 and write it down on a 3 by 5 card as well. And that, and that scripture verse right there is one that teaches us that we should go out and share our faith and that we should do this and do it with gentleness and respect. And you see, these are things that God can call to our mind and that we can use as we're ministering to others. And the more scripture that you put in your mind, the more valuable they become to you in your life as you're sharing your faith and hope of salvation through Jesus Christ. Now you have part of God's word stored in your heart, and I bet he will give you the opportunity to recall it in your daily walk with him. Reading the word, Pastor Dave, you just don't understand. I'm not good at reading. I agree that there are genuine people who have comprehension problems and struggle with reading. But today, we have so many options. We have digital books. We have analog books. We have audio books. There are so many ways that we can read the scripture to help us understand God's word that there is really no excuse not to get into the word of God. Even if you only read one chapter of the Bible a day and you start in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, I want to share this with you. It's very interesting to me. Read one chapter of the Bible, which for someone who's a quick reader, five minutes, you're done. If you're a really, 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 really slow reader, 15 minutes maximum to read one chapter. And if you read one chapter a day, it will take you 257 days to read the entire New Testament. That's eight and a half months. That leaves you enough time with the, in the year left that you can read the entire book of Genesis, the entire book of Exodus, and the first 18 verses of Leviticus. Reading one chapter a day would take an average reader of no more than five minutes, like I was telling you. And if you only comprehend 10% of what you read, you would have an understanding of a little more than 36 verses, which is more than the equivalent to any one of the four Gospels. Just imagine how much greater your understanding of Scripture would be if you simply took the time to read one chapter a day. 
one chapter a day. Do you love God enough that you can give him the time to read one chapter of the word, the love letter that he wrote to you? One chapter a day. And having this memorized scripture and reading the scripture and getting more of it in your head helps you in your Bible study. It helps you when you're in a Bible study class or maybe sitting in a Sunday school class. You just never know. And every one of us, when we're out sharing our faith, we're preaching the word of God to a lost and dying world. And you will find yourself preaching the word of God without even realizing you're preaching the word of God because you have put it in your heart. You can recall it to your memory. You can recall the stories of the Bible to your mind to share them with others. So as you see, we can become more effective servants of God. It doesn't matter where we are in our journey. We can and will learn more and become more effective ministers of God as long as we continue to tell our story, to pray, meditate, and study the Word of God. When we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, God will reveal Himself to us. He doesn't want a small part of our soul. He wants all of us. He wants all, not just a part of us. And when we give all to Him, He will we will have riches far beyond our comprehension. We will, be, we will be blessed beyond measure. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have shared your word with us today. Thank you so much that you have shown us, Lord, that we can be blessed and we can learn more from you every day and that you want us to grow closer to you, that you want us to tell our story, you want us to pray and to meditate and to study your word. And Father, give each one of us more and more confidence to be able to do this and to depend on you more and more every day, Lord. And Father, we ask all of this in the gracious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.